Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. Hey gang, welcome back. You guys ready to get mental? Well, today is the day. Getting excited to go to the BC Coaches Clinic that's going to be over in Langley in a couple of weeks. Going to meet some of my friends that will be there as speakers. Some people that have actually been on this show. So you'll have to go to the website at worldbaseballexperience.com. Check out our podcast. So today, though, we're going to get mental. We're going to talk a little bit about the mental side of of sports and baseball in particular, since this show is about baseball. She grew up a two-sport athlete, competing against her younger brother, and then eventually choosing softball to compete at the college level. My guest today is Hannah Thurley. Uh, I should say formerly known as Hannah Thurley. Her her family name is Thurley, but she is now married. She was Hannah Thurley at the time of this interview uh, some four or five months ago. I'm embarrassed to say I have been out of pocket for a little bit, working on some other endeavors, if you will. Started a new podcast called 3 Up, 3 Down that you can find on the nmba.ca website. That's Nanaimo Minor Baseball, uh, for those of you paying attention. But yes, we're going to talk about the mental skills involved with baseball. She is a mental skills coach. Hannah works for the Philadelphia Phillies organization. She was born to a business owner father and a psychologist mother in Tennessee, which makes her the second guest on this incredibly popular podcast to be raised in Tennessee. Shout out to my friend Chris Schneider, who was the other guest, uh, episode 15, Honkball to Hollywood, if you want to check him out. So back to Hannah. I think you guys are going to dig this. She talks about the job, the journey, of course, the joy of working in a uh, pretty rare position in sports across the board, mental skills coach. Uh, is a trendy new profession. There aren't a lot of them out there, and she'll talk about that and give you guys some details. And uh, let's see, she's going to go over a couple of different things, her role in in the organization and and what she's expected to do on a daily basis, the growth of the actual field itself, as I mentioned. And let's see, how did we meet? Shocker, World Wide Web. Found her on LinkedIn, was scrolling through my feed one day, saw mental skills coach Philadelphia Phillies pop up, and I just sent her a direct message, immediately thought of how cool it would be to have someone in that field on the show for you guys to listen to and learn about. Maybe there's some people out there that have a background in psychology or in school right now studying to become a psychologist, and you love sports, so what better than to find someone that's already gone down that path, and maybe you guys can get some tips on uh, how to pursue that dream job because it seems like it might be a lot of fun. Oh, I got to mention this. You got to check her out on her Instagram at Hannah Huseman. That will be in the show notes, but she has a show that comes out on Mondays and it is called Mental Sweat Mondays where she gives a quick one-minute video 
on how and why it's important to check in with your mind as much as we do our body, which I think is outstanding. A lot of times we neglect the mind, at least I know I do, but we'll, we'll get those workouts in and we work on the body and we think that's, that's where it all stops. So she has some great insight on that and how important it is to include the mind uh, on a daily basis. So check that out, Mental Sweat Mondays on Instagram. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Hannah Huseman. Anyway, so so wait, so how how was your weekend? Did you have a busy one? Um, weekend was good. I did have a busy one, just catching up on a lot of work. Um, my partner was in town for work, and so we had a busy week last week. So um, worked mm-hmm. all day Saturday. We're over with our um, high A team, and then had Sunday to kind of relax and get it all back together to start another busy week. <laughs> Is it? I mean, is it kind of the same every week with with what you guys do, or is it always different, or do you have some lulls in the schedule, like with with where the teams are and whatnot? Yeah, so every week is very much different. Um, Okay. It it kind of depends on where we're traveling or um, if we're back at our home base in Clearwater, and even if we're here, um, we have basically divided into three different sections. You know, we've got our GCL teams here now, which we actually have two teams. Um, This year is our first year to have two GCL teams. And then we also have our Florida State League right across the way, which is our Clearwater Threshers. So Mm -hmm. that in and of itself are two different entities. And then we have our rehab guys who are here also, um, which we try to designate specific days or at least a half a day to work with the rehab guys alone. Um, Mm -hmm. So even when we say we're in Clearwater every day, that day-to-day schedule looks different. But then, of course, we're traveling to the affiliates. Um, So I may be in Philly, um, in Lakewood or Williamsport um, Mm -hmm. on the different weeks. So the weeks vary very much, um, which I like. It keeps us on our toes and keeps the scenery different. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, Do you have scheduled appointments with all the players, or is it one of those things where they – they come to see you or management recommends that they talk to you or how does that work? Um, Great question. It's a little of both. Um, Mm -hmm. We typically, our um, motto is we're going to meet with every player at least once a month um, in Mm -hmm. the entire organization. Um, Whether things are going great for them or things aren't going so great, we will meet with them once a month, but we do have an open Mm -hmm. door policy. So if they want to talk more than once a month, we are more than welcome to do that. And we actually highly encourage it. But sure. it's, it's, a, it's a balance between um, wanting them to come in here and expand their knowledge on the mental game and also letting them come in and kind of figure out when they need it. And um, also trying to train the mind um, to not necessarily be reactive to certain experiences, but be proactive. So that's why we, we um, make it mandatory to have one session a month. That way, it's like when, you know, crap's hitting the fan, mm-hmm. that's when we go meet with the mental skills coaches. No, we we meet with the mental skills coaches way beforehand. Um, one sure. of the common things I'd like to talk about is the dentist, you know, the example of the dentist. A long time ago, nobody went to the dentist until their teeth were falling out. Right. Um, and then finally, somebody said, hey, let's be a little more proactive about this so we can go to the dentist before our teeth knocks out, fall out. Right. So um, that's kind of the same thing we said to our guys, you know. Things are going to go awry and you're going to want to have something in your back pocket instead of not knowing what to do when that does happen. So in other words, you're telling them, go ahead and schedule your cleanings every six months like a <laughs> like you would with the dentist, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Except we're going to go once a month instead of oh, every once six a month. Oh, even better. <laughs> even better. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. um, I got I had the opportunity to talk to you a little bit off off uh, air, I guess you could call it, um, mm-hmm. last week, and I was excited to uh, to learn more about you. And I just wanted to, um, if you could, just give us a little bit of background on how you your mother was in this field as well, or still is in this field, and your and your father uh, was a coach. Is that correct? Um, yeah. So my mom has her master's degree in clinical psychology. Uh-huh. Um, and so she definitely inspired me to get into the psych world, um, not necessarily the clinical psych world, but definitely opening my eyes to the, to the psychology world. Um, and my dad was a business owner. Um, they both coached my brother and I growing up. Okay. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah. And you're, and you're from Tennessee. I am. Yes. Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about your, <laughs> your, your upbringing there. What, what did you said? Dad was a, a business owner. What kind of business did he own? Yeah, so um, my parents actually co-owned a RV dealership, um, owned their own RV dealership oh, in nice. Nashville, Tennessee for about 15 years, yep, um, mm-hmm. and now he is actually a, I'm not 100% sure what his title is, but he's a, he goes and trains different um, businesses to, he trains the salespeople, basically, so he'll, um, different okay. sales companies will hire him to come in and train their sales representatives now. Um, gotcha. Yeah, so... My upbringing in Nashville was pretty, pretty um, typical, I suppose. It was my mom and dad and my brother and I, um, who my brother is just shy of two years younger than me. Um, okay. And we played all the sports that we could get our hands on growing up and um, went to a private high school um, and then ended up going right down the road about two hours to Chattanooga um, to mm-hmm. play. Um, I actually started playing basketball there. Um, okay. and then switched sports and played softball my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Which one um, you like better? Then, uh, I love softball, but I love uh-huh. basketball too. So I uh, I felt a little more challenged playing basketball. Um, I always felt like softball was something that came very very second nature to me, and I really wanted to to push myself out of that comfort zone, which is why I played basketball and. Um, learned a lot my freshman year when I was playing basketball, went through a lot of trials and, you know, tough coaches, tough scenarios, tough teammates, mm-hmm. and um, came out on the other end and was had to make a tough decision on if I wanted to continue to play basketball or change sports or stay at the university I was at. And I really liked, I really liked the university I was at. So I decided to stay and talk to the softball coach, and he was mm-hmm. gracious enough to welcome me with open arms um, and to switch to softball, which hindsight 2020, looking back, it's been pretty great for my career. I think softball's um, had a huge impact on working in baseball and um not that people doubted my knowledge, but it definitely makes it a little sure. more settling when they're like, Oh, you played softball. Okay, okay. You know, they right. know that I know what's actually going on out there. So So you got a younger brother. What were what were his yep. sports? Was he a baseball basketball guy or what he, he was play? a baseball, basketball, football guy. So his okay. main sport was football. Um, he actually played football at the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss. Um, oh, yeah. All right. Yep. That's so he great. graduated about, I guess, a little over a year now. Um, and the running yeah, He played football at Ole Miss. Yep. All right. So did you guys have a few uh, one-on-one backyard basketball competitions <laughs> and things like that? Were, were you beating him up <laughs> as he was growing up? Yeah, uh, you could say they were basketball one-on-one games, or you could say they were WWE wrestling matches. I'm not sure <laughs> which one came first, but they usually yeah. ended in pretty big fights and someone crying. But 
Um, so, oh, yeah, we definitely did all of our growing up years until one day he got to be way taller than me. And way I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> my dad yeah. had to have the talk of, OK, you, you were no longer fighting physically anymore. So That's right. That's right. So you knew that day yeah. was coming. So you took advantage yeah. of it for as long as you could. Right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I can yeah. still beat him verbally so <laughs> <laughs> now what about okay so you played softball he played baseball did you pitch to him and he pitched to you and things like that did you guys help each other's game um we Not didn't really. necessarily pitch to each other just because of the overhand underhand thing but um uh -huh. we definitely did ground balls and we would my mom and dad would take us both to the field and hit us both ground balls and i played first base a lot when i was younger and he was usually a shortstop third baseman um, mm -hmm. so and then I actually shifted to shortstop in high school so he thought he was helping me a little bit on my game but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you get out of college you're graduated uh your undergrad and then mm -hmm. you uh decided now tell me about the switch because you you were studying something else at, at, at the beginning of school is that correct and then found found um psychology to be more interesting so I actually, my undergrad degree, I really didn't know what I was going to study in undergrad. Um, and then I decided to um, pursue an exercise science degree, which was mm -hmm. just a bachelor's of science, um, because I thought I wanted, I knew I wanted to stay in sports somehow, some way, and whether that was coaching or um, I had even considered strength and conditioning coach, um, but somehow, some way I knew I wanted to stay in the game of sports. And mm -hmm. so my senior year, I did a... Um, strength and conditioning internship, um, mm -hmm. learned a lot, did a lot of research just about opportunities and just didn't really think that was really satisfying what I really wanted to do and the goals that I had. Um, and so my senior year I did, I took a sports psychology class and um, I was pretty mind blown and couldn't believe that I hadn't had that my entire career playing. Mm -hmm. um, so wanted to do a little bit more research and, you know, again, was one of those people who didn't really know what I was going to do and kind of figured it all out my last semester and started looking. Um, again, I talked to my mom and she was like, what about psychology? You know, you've always been the person who people have been able to talk to and just mm -hmm. very outgoing. And um, I don't know, I'm just, just very good awareness um, yeah. from a very young age. And so I what started was doing it? research. Yeah. What was it, sorry to stop you. I was going to say, what was it about the the class or that yeah. you took that that you said you just mentioned that you wished you would have had that when you were playing? What, what was yeah. it that that jumped out at you that made you think that? Do you remember? Um, I think it's still yeah. I think it's still one of my favorite things about sports psychology, and it was that like it was this whole idea that confidence, you know, that you do not have to be confident to perform well. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, mm -hmm. my whole life, everybody preaches confidence, confidence, confidence. You got to go out there and be confident and play good. Right. And mm -hmm. the reality of it is you don't have to feel good to play good. Um, mm -hmm. you can be really not confident at all and still perform well. So, um, I think that learning that base knowledge, and then I was just like infatuated with everything our teacher was saying, because it was just so relatable. Like everything she said, I had been in that situation before, or I had known someone sure. who was very close to me who had been in that situation. And it was just all hitting home. And I was like, this is my ticket. This is my ticket to stay in sports and mm -hmm. do something that's impactful and impact people's lives. And I just, you know, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but this is it. Yeah. And what's cool is I've always said I wanted to be a coach and I just didn't know what it was going to look like. And now my title is a mental performance coach. So technically <laughs> I am a coach and sure. in a really cool way. So 
instead of yeah. dealing with the X's and O's, you're you're dealing with the mind, which is great. Yep. And and yep. and is also, you know, obviously very important. Do you feel like mm-hmm. this is also uh, a profession that you don't really have a ceiling on that you can continue to grow for as long as you decide you want to do this or is there an end goal for you? Um, that's a really good question. I, I mean, I definitely think there's always room to grow. I always think there's ways to go up. Um, you know, currently I'm a mental skills coach. Usually how departments work is there's a, um, in the major league baseball right now, you know, there's a director of the program, there's a coordinator of the program. So, Mm -hmm. um, definitely still have ways to grow, to go up and, um, increase that for sure. But, I love being in the MLB. I love working for the Phillies right now. Like they are an incredible organization. Um, mm-hmm. Really can't say enough good things about them. So I'm pretty happy where I am right now, to be honest. <laughs> kind your... of bounced around since I yeah. got out of grad school. So just um, with opportunities and um, so I'm I'm hoping to be here for a while for sure. Well, and you're you know you're you're really young. You're you're getting started as you said into your career mm-hmm. and, and long road ahead of you. Hopefully, as you continue to to excel in, in, in it. What, what's uh, what's the department like? How many people are in your department? Currently, we have Jeff Miller, um, who okay. is also a mental skills coach, who was here. He started with the Phillies last season. So he is on his second season with the Phillies. And he actually lives um, up near Philadelphia. So he's working with our big league team um, and our AAA and AA team right now. And I mm-hmm. am working with um, everybody else. We do currently have a... Um, mental skills intern who is also based in Clearwater, Florida. His name is Eric and he speaks English and Spanish. So he spends a lot of time down in Clearwater working with our Latin American players and uh, also spends about a week a month um, going to the Dominican Republic where our team is down there. So there currently we have two full-time and an intern. That's our team right now for the Phillies. Uh, Is that typical across the, the, uh, the league? Yeah, um, you've kind of got a wide range um, across. We, you've mm-hmm. got some teams who only have one person um, doing most of the work, um, and then you've got, I believe, the Mets are have someone at every level. I'm not 100% sure on that, but okay. maybe like an intern level at each affiliate. So some people maybe mm-hmm. have even up to seven or eight employees. Um, but I think typically on most cases you're looking between two and four mental mm-hmm. skills coaches, mental performance coaches, mental conditioning coaches, you know, whatever they're calling themselves yeah. per team. I would say on average you're looking at about two to four. And that's something that's just recently become a trend within the MLB. If I'm not mistaken, I remember Ken Revisa giving a speech mm-hmm. at the American Baseball Coaches Association and talking about how even as, as early as – 10 years ago, there were still only a few or a handful of, of uh, mental conditioning coaches. And now it just seems like it's, it's blown up across the board and not just baseball, of course, but all, all sports. Tell us a little bit about that. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's definitely evolving like rapidly in the last five, maybe even 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, I know, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure what the exact rule is, but I know last season, Major League Baseball made some rule that every team has to have an area where they can meet with a mental skills coach. Um, and so I know it's 
mandatory for the Major League Baseball right now, which obviously mm-hmm. is going to increase job opportunities and increase the number of us. Um, but it is pretty incredible, and I think it's going to continue to rise. You know, it's, yeah. it's just like a while back, kind of the same trend that strength and conditioning coaches had. You know, once, mm-hmm. once baseball realized that was a big deal, they would have one per organization, and all of a sudden some people would have two or three, and then next thing you know, we've got a strength and conditioning coach at every level. Right. Um, and I think um, dietitians are kind of with us right now, too, at our same level. You know, we've got we've got three dietitians right now. I think they're all part-time, but they're also trying to figure out, you know, what's best for us. Is it best to have people at every level? Is it best to um, have, you know, one person per two teams or – you know, what is the best, but there has been an influx in sports psychology. And I think it's really cool and awesome to see the more opportunities are rising. Cause I remember even, I mean, even two years ago out of grad school, like the only real opportunities were internships, you know, and now right. since I've been out, it's like more and more full-time jobs are opening up um, in major league baseball and in other realms too. So sure. I know, I know it's expanding um, NCAA, you know, college there they're trying to hire kind of a one person who can do it all, who is um, a clinical psychologist and a mental skills person. So I think people are really trying to figure it out, but it's, it's definitely a good sign because there are more opportunities and more and more people yeah. are realizing that this is, this is really what we need. Here real soon in the next few years, you'll see those, those opportunities going from only interns to straight employment right out of school. Don't you agree? For sure. Yeah. What are the, some of the things that you talk about to these guys and the, and the players when you get someone in your office? I mean, are you finding out, is it more than just uh, I'm in a hitting slump or I can't locate my fastball? Is, are, you, are you getting, what, what are some of the things that you hear? If you can, if you can share with us some examples. Yeah. Um, I think you get kind of the whole gamut of what you hear in here. I mean, you hear, you hear things like that. You hear things like, I'm not seeing the ball well. I don't know what's going on. To, I don't know what my routine is. To, a coach told me I should come talk to you. To, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, to, I'm stressed. There's stuff going on at home that's affecting yeah. my performance. Um, and then you get people coming in who are like, hey, I'm doing really well. And I want to keep doing really well. Um, so what do I need to do? You know, how do I keep mm-hmm. this going? Because, I mean, it's it's funny but like all the guys you know they're like I'm doing really well and I know that's going to end you know because everybody knows it's not going to last forever and so a lot (laughs) of our conversations are about why are things going well right now you know when things are going well let's let's pay attention to that too so when things aren't going as well as we'd want them to let's revert back to notes that of what we were doing when things were going well you know instead of having to start from scratch so it really is a wide variety I mean specific you know we talk about confidence and goal setting and resiliency and motivation. And um, a lot of what we talk about is surrounded from enjoyment too. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that's commonly overlooked. You know, it's like, are you enjoying yourself? And some of them laugh and are like, sometimes, and some of them are like, no. And some of them are like, yeah, I really am. And it's important to remind these guys that you play better when you're enjoying it. Um, and so a lot of it is kind of trying to find enjoyment in these long grind out days, you know, yeah. When, when yeah. it's hot down here, it's brutal down here, and mm-hmm. it's a long season. We all know it's long season, and um, so it's a lot of it's enjoyment. And basically what we say all the time is we're trying to make the stuff that we teach them on the field last longer, right? We're trying mm-hmm. to remind them of what they're learning. We're trying to make that stick in their head and help them car- help help carry them further than right. they get without reviewing it. So. 
Well, and you've got a little bit different uh, animal to tame here within baseball um, in comparison to, say, football or basketball, where those players are once they're drafted, they're they're in the big leagues. You know, they're in where they're <laughs> supposed to be. Whereas, you know, you, you know where I'm going with this, right? You got you yeah. got these guys yeah. that are just I, I can imagine, you know, grinding it out day after day, not knowing their job is secure, not knowing if they're going to get moved up to the next level or or released. And uh, I just I, I can't even imagine, again, having those guys coming into your office um, with that kind of stress. What about you had mentioned sometimes they might bring their personal life to work and things like that. Is that something that is common or is that just an every now and again kind of thing? I mean, do you guys tap into that when you're when you're having sessions? Um, it's it's not common, but it's it's an every now and then thing. Um, uh-huh. And I think as right, our certification as a mental skills coach is part of what we're trained to do is to notice when something becomes more clinical than um, actual mental skills. So actually like sports psych techniques, when it becomes more on the clinical side, you know, we are trained to notice, okay, you know, this person is showing signs of depression or clinical anxiety or, you know, Mm -hmm. even eating disorders or anything like that. Um, So for the most part, we'll talk about outside life, you know, if family's just struggling at home or just creating some stress and just talk about how to handle that. How are you handling that on the field? How are you able to you know, compartmentalize outside of here. What are you bringing to the field? What are you not? What are you leaving at the door? Um, but I say it's, I say it's fairly common. Maybe like, mm-hmm. maybe like twenty five percent of conversations. It's just going to be brought up. You know, because people are just going through life. You know, and, yeah. and even if it's them, and even if even if it's significant others or just their struggles of playing minor league baseball and some of their right. everyday struggles that they have, and just wanting to talk about it with someone. You know, who May, right. not, may not, you know, necessarily judge them based off of it or, you know, just having someone to vent to, I think, sure. is part of our job, too. You know? Yeah. Not so all they, the time, but. Right. So they might not necessarily be struggling at the plate or having any issues with their game or everything's going great in the baseball world, but they just want to come in and maybe talk about some of the pressures at home with, uh, you know, wife and kids or, or For sure, family. Absolutely. Or, yeah, just clear their mind so that they can focus yep. more on their game. Uh, yep, we've had guys come in and talk about social media and the impact of social media on their game and oh, wow. how do we limit social media. Um, a lot of our talks are spent on how do we – how are you taking care of yourself outside of the baseball walls? You know, so what are you going home? Are you going home and doing nothing? Are you going home and just sitting around? Like, how do Mm. we make this the most productive, holistic, right? So a lot of what we do is Mm. also away from the ballpark, you know, making sure that they're, they're balanced and that they're healthy and that they are getting time away because this whole mindset of the world today is, you know, no days off and grind Mm -hmm. it out. And the reality is that's not true. Um, and that you do need days off and you do need rest. And so it's part of our job to make sure they are resting good. It's part of our job to make Mm -hmm. sure, you know, they do know what their priorities are, that they are sleeping good at night. You know, a lot of our talks involve sleep, um, sleep Mm -hmm. suggestions and you're not sleeping good. Okay. Why? Let's figure this out. So it's a lot, lot more than just baseball for sure. Sure. So that brings me to this question. How about your relationships and your dealings with, say, a hitting coach or a pitching coach or one of the coaches mm-hmm. on the staff that let's just we'll throw a hypothetical out there. We've got a hitter that is, uh, you know, working on some things and, and he's got the hitting coach there that's helping him with the hitting part of it. And we always hear about players making 
mental adjustments and that within that, do you guys work together or do you ever have like a hitting coach coming in there saying, Hey, I can't get this kid past this particular spot. Can you help me out? Or whatever it is you're telling him, stop because you're messing him up. You know, is there any kind of that going on with, with the other coaches? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we definitely try to like keep the communication barriers open with all the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, most conversations typically are around like, you know, a coach will come in and just say, Hey, you know, this is going on with this guy. Like, what are your suggestions? What do you think I should say in this situation? Um, okay. which is really cool. Cause it, it's not necessarily like he's saying you're doing that and she's saying you're doing this, you know, it's more sure. just like, this is kind of what we're seeing. We know it's not physical. We know he's got the talent. We know he's doing it. So we know there's something mental and, and sometimes, sometimes they'll send them up and say, Hey, you need to go talk to Hannah or Jeff or whoever. And other right. times, we like to equip the coaches. I think, I mean, I think it's important that one, you, you and the coaches are using the same language too. So I like as much as I can, I'll sit in on pitchers meetings and catchers meetings and infield and outfield meetings and, you know, anything I can just to make sure like the coaches, the language the coaches are using is the language that we're using in our sessions too. Um, yeah. Which doesn't take a long time to pick up on because that's just how people talk around here. So but sure. it's definitely open communication and we, it, it's mostly just like, let's work together to figure out what's best for this kid. Um, or maybe it's even like, Hey, he's telling me this, um, you know, and this is what I'm seeing. Like, how do I translate that to him? You know, it's just, it's basically mm-hmm. all surrounded around communication and what's the best way to communicate with this player. If maybe something I've worked in the past didn't work or maybe it did work mm-hmm. or, um, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So, Have you run into yeah. any have you run into any uh, dinosaur coaches, the guys that just don't believe it and think it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo kind of stuff? Have you had any experiences um, like that? In my career, absolutely. Um, yeah. With the Phillies, not necessarily. Um, okay. It's actually been pretty amazing to see um, the people who are open here and, you know, being led by Gabe Kapler and our farm director, uh-huh. Joe Jordan, they're all very, very open to mental skills. And, you know, they're constantly saying, hey, you know, we're – we're with the new times. We're wanting to do this. And if you have an issue with it, like come talk to us, you know? So it's very much that we're very much backed and supported by our staff and front office. So for the most part, I really haven't had any pushback from the Phillies, but I mean, in in general, you know, with my past career and places I've been in the past and even in private practice, like you get guys who are like, I never did this. And it's like, actually you did. You just didn't call it what we're calling it. You know? So (laughs) it's actually pretty cool to have those conversations because it usually ends up being like, you actually did do it. You just didn't put a label on it Um, or you just didn't have an actual mental skills coach, but actually whether it was a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a coach or whoever, you actually were getting mental skills. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like bringing that to light for them. So, yeah. We always hear baseball is 90% mental and, and, and yet we spend 90% of the time in the batting cage and on, in the bullpens and doing all the physical stuff. Not a lot of time on the mental training. I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit and ask you if you have any advice or if you have any um well, yeah, advice or experience with, with working with younger athletes, you know, think about yourself as you were growing up, you said you put yourself in those positions and you experienced a lot of what you're learning. So in today's world, coaching younger kids in sports is just, it's, well, it's completely different than when I was growing up and I remember it, but I'm a little older than you. So what, what could you tell, just say a volunteer coach or a parent or a high school coach or somebody that's dealing with the younger generation and how important it is, or do you have a tip or two to uh, maybe read some signs that this, this kid may need 
something more than just more batting cage time or more ground balls? Well, first and foremost, um, one of the things I tell the most to parents and coaches, coaching youth athletes, is I preach consistency. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and what what I mean by that is, you know, if they have a good game, treat them one way. Treat them the way you treat them on a good game is the way you should treat them after a bad game. You know, if if you have a snack after a good game, you should have a snack after a bad game, right? Like, you just want to be consistent. If you if after a good game, you talk about the game over dinner, then that's what your family does, and you can talk about the bad game over dinner. But if after a good mm-hmm. game, you don't talk about it after dinner or over dinner, and then after a bad game, you do talk about it over you know, you just, yeah. you just really want to try to be as consistent as possible. Um, as far as noticing at a young age, uh, I don't know. I've worked with um, – when I was in a private practice in New York, I worked with a group of baseball players who were, I believe, 10-year-olds. And being in a room with those guys, probably like seven or eight of them for about an hour teaching mental skills was probably one of the most challenging things I've had to do in my career. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I um, bet. And it was just, I mean, it's, it's basically what you think. It's keep it super simple, keep yeah. it super fun. And basically our goal ended up just being let's throw these words out there so they can hear it. So they know what a goal is. So they've heard it before and they know that this is kind of just setting the base, the foundation for mental skills. Uh, Because we know like at a certain age, you know, science tells us that you're not going to retain it. You're not really going to remember it. But if we can just start laying that foundation, I think that's huge. And so it's like multitasking. It's, it's, you know, before you hit, let's go run, let's go run the bases and then jump in the batter's box and hit and try to hit while you're tired or, or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, creating creating circumstances where um, they might be put a little more pressure or experiencing something different than just being in their comfort zone and not yeah. really having to worry about anything. Um, but yeah, it's definitely I'm, a challenge for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like you <laughs> said, with that age span, they've got, you know, the attention is really hard to hold with them for more, more than a few seconds. And, you know, I'm, I'm finding a lot in, in my experiences too, with, you know, being on the coaching side of things and dealing with parents. And I just feel like kids are so they're starting to get tone deaf because they're hearing so many things from so many different people that they don't know what to really believe in or listen Mm -hmm. to, or, you know, you've got parents coaching from the stands and, you know, you mentioned the the talk after dinner and the car ride home and things like that, where, uh, you know, that's, that's great advice, keeping it consistent. And, you know, my advice to parents, and I'm, I'm actually having a parent meeting tonight with our 13U baseball team. And my, my whole thing is to them is just come to the game, enjoy watching your kid play and cheer them on no matter what good game, bad game, because you start throwing all these extra things for them to think about. Then they don't know who to trust. Do I trust mom and dad? Do I trust the coach? What am I doing here? And it just becomes a mess. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll even add to that is, you know, we, we tell our players here, right. We tell them, well, everywhere when I'm talking mm-hmm. about self-talk, right. We, um, everybody knows what the golden rule of life is, right. Do unto others as you have sure. done unto you. Mm-hmm. And um, the platinum rule that um, I've come up with in the past is a sports psychology term, and it's it's saying to yourself what you would say to others, right? So, like for baseball players, you wouldn't go tell a teammate who just had a bad game, like you suck. You know, you go <laughs> exactly. up and say, "Hey, you got it next time. You can do this." But right. to ourselves, we tell ourselves we suck. We should quit. What are we doing? Why are we even playing? Right? right. And we completely right. demoralize ourselves. So maybe 
transferring that into parents, ask the parents, what would you say to another kid on the team after they struck out? Would you say, are you kidding me? Would you get up and like, would you make a scene? Like, or would you say, hey buddy, you got it next time. Like, so maybe the platinum rule for parents is what would you say to another kid? Uh-huh. Um, you know, or what would you That's think of another advice. player on your kid's name? And, and, and people, you know, most of the time people are like, wow, you're right. And some people will say, well, I hold my kids to a higher, ex- like higher expectation or I hold myself to higher expectations. And I'm like, absolutely. I totally get that. I want you to hold yourself to a high expectation. I want you to hold your kids to a high expectation, but I don't want you to demoralize them. You know, right. there comes a point where it's not helpful, you know? So if you want to give sure. critical feedback, what critical feedback would you give to the to the other kids, you know, to the other parents' kid on the team? Mm-hmm. Would you say, "Hey, buddy, keep your foot back" or "Keep your weight back"? Or would you say, "What are you doing?" You know, like so maybe yeah. maybe that's transferring over to the parents' side. Yeah, no, that's a I've great example. I've worked with parents in a while, but it sounds it, about right. Yeah, you're no, you're <laughs> exactly right. And well, and and I've made the comment the other day is like these kids, you know, first of all, they're playing a game. You know, baseball is all based on statistics, and we know how much you're going to fail at it already. So the game's already going to beat you up enough as it is, and you haven't even done anything, right? These kids beat themselves up more than anyone else could. It's unbelievable. I watch them, you know, right. strike strike out or make an error, and they can't shake it. You know, they they, and it's not because anyone else is telling them, "Hey, you screwed up." In fact, a lot of times I see teammates not even approach a kid who makes an error instead of what you're saying, you know, hey, that's okay, buddy. You'll get it next time. You know, we're good. Shake it off. And there's a little bit of that. But a lot of times I'll see them. It's almost like the they don't even want to say anything to the kid. And then the kid just wears it for the rest of the game Mm -hmm. and takes it to the plate and takes it back out in the field. He's still thinking about that mistake. And as a coach, you're wondering. Is he already thinking that dad or mom's going to lay into him when he gets in the car or is he just, mm-hmm. just doing it to himself? You know, I mean, we, right. we make the error. No one feels worse than the guy who made the error. And so, Absolutely. but uh, yeah, but it, it is interesting to try and figure out how to tap into them and really get, but I think a lot of it just has to do with the age too, right? They're just not mature enough to handle um, right. a, a lot of it and, and just shake it off like we can as adults. Um, Absolutely. Wow, this is a great conversation. I am um, yeah. looking at a couple other questions here. I'll throw at you. Uh, what? What about? Uh, I know you said your parents were were really supportive of you, and your mom's been a mentor for kind of getting you into this field and your your current uh, situation with the Phillies. Is it? You said Jeff was his name. Yeah, Jeff Miller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's he's uh, a guy that's that's mentoring you along as well. Have there any? Have there been any other ones? Any other teachers or teammates or? coaches as you grew up that you think about often as you're going through this and lessons that they taught you? I mean, yeah, I think, I think for good lessons or bad lessons, I think every coach that I've dealt with um, has a hundred percent impacted who I am today. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. my freshman year playing basketball was one of the toughest years I've ever experienced, but I think it made me, you know, the tough skinned woman that I am today. Um, And Mm -hmm. that maybe without that year, I wouldn't be able to make it, you know, in a world that's, mostly men, um, and, and have my voice heard. And so mm-hmm. I absolutely think that every single coach and even teachers, you know, even my sports psychology teacher for that first semester, um, or that my last semester of my senior year, who taught me that class, like that impacted me. Um, my softball coach, at, um, undergrad coach Reed and coach Amy and all of those coaches have impacted me for better and for worse. You know, it's like, I think mm-hmm. one of the coolest parts, especially in getting into our field and what people need to realize is 
you know, in order to be the best mental skills coach, in order to be the best anything coach, you have to kind of pick and choose what other people do and create your own philosophy. You have to create your own vibe. And, and I think mm-hmm. um, that's, you know, having a bunch of different mentors, I've been able to pick and choose kind of, okay, I really, really like what they do here. And this, what they did here, you know, didn't really match my personality that much. So I don't think I'm going to use that as much and kind of creating what I do and who I am today, um, which is bits and pieces of every single person that I've worked with in the past or had the opportunity to learn from and be a mentor from. Yeah. Have you had a chance to talk to any of these these strong coaches, especially the women, in comparing to today's society and the fact that you know diversity is growing? You know, it's we're not there yet, but we're getting there. And you know, MLB now has a, a diversity program set up, which I think is mm-hmm. fantastic. And you're seeing more more female coaches and mm-hmm. scouts and front office people, and of course, jobs like yourself. Have you had a chance to talk to some of those women that came before you that didn't? really have that? I don't want to call it easy because I know it's not easy for you guys at all, but um, have you had a chance to compare stories or what it was like, you know, 15, 20 years ago for them to take this road? Yeah, that's a good question. I really haven't. Um, The most experience I've had is with females who are in the field, um, who have been in the field maybe five or 10 years longer longer than me. Um, And so those have been some of my big impacts. Um, you know, Cece Clark with the Indians. Um, mm-hmm. I've talked to her a lot um, and just about like experiences that she's had. And it's, it's me. It's again, it's kind of unique just to see what she goes through and then how it'll happen to me. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, this is what we were talking about. Or she says things that I haven't yeah. experienced yet or um, even things that I've experienced that I was, wasn't warned about, you know, or I wasn't brought up about. But I really right. haven't had the opportunity to talk. I mean, I had a few mentors. Um, in school, in grad school, who were older, um, but, you know, they kind of took the academic route, so they didn't okay. really try to get into the actual um, applied work of doing the sports psychology. They're they're teaching it to the next generation, so right. um, I really haven't. I really haven't had that experience yet, to be totally honest, mm-hmm. but it's a great question. Yeah. I would love to figure out how to do that. Maybe dive into it a little bit, right? And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Learn some more of it. That's awesome. I'm going to ask just a couple quick questions and see if maybe you could offer some advice out to any other um, Hannah Thurley wannabes out there that are listening <laughs> that yeah. might be, you know, thinking about taking a career path as uh, as you have. And do you have any advice that you want to throw out there, or maybe some some tips in in uh, their thought process while they're going down this road? You know, I get that question a lot, um, and I think I think my number one answer is go for things that you think you might not even get. Um, that okay. was one of the best advices I got was mm-hmm. the Pirates gig. The first um, Pirates internship was um, I heard other people had applied. I heard PhD students had applied. I heard men had applied, and I was like, there's no way a master's female straight out of school is going to get this and I was like mm-hmm. but you know what what else what do I have to lose I'm going to do it and I got an interview and I got a phone interview and look what happened you know so That's great. I would say even if you don't have what what it says on requirements for the job applications I would say apply and then secondly I would say you've got to get out of your comfort zone like you're not going to get where you want to be by just staying in your little small home and hoping to get a job there like it's just there's not that many jobs available in mental skills right now and that you have to move. You know, I moved from, I went from Nashville to Chattanooga to Knoxville to Hilton Head, South Carolina for a summer, back to Knoxville, back to Chattanooga. Then I went to 
um, Bradenton, Florida. Then I went to New York City, back to Nashville, and now I'm in Clearwater, Florida. Um, and I don't even Holy know where cow. I'm going to be next year. So it's like, and that, I mean, that's been in, you know, the last four states. I've been in the last two years. So it's like, that's just what it calls. And the best gigs ca- require you to move and change and challenge yourself. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's something that people don't realize the sacrifice that comes with it is that you got to pick up and move. If, if this is really what you want to do and how you want to do it and right. you want to be a Hannah Thurley Jr., you got to pick up and go. <laughs> you got to be willing to leave everything and make this really, really important in your life. So, that, I mean, yeah. that's, it's and scary. You, it's challenging. There's great days and there's really, really hard days. So sure, but. sure. And you've got you've got a a big life change that's happening here this summer, correct? You want to uh, share, share a little bit of that? Yeah. How does that how does that play into this this uh, lifelong <laughs> yeah. long dream dream job? Yeah. So I am getting married in actually eleven days from today. Um, Congratulations! Yep. So July seventh mm-hmm. is our big day and. Um, it's awesome. We, um, Mm -hmm. my fiance is, um, currently in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Mm -hmm. and he, um, he followed his dream and his passion, um, into the NFL and he played for the New York Giants for a season and a half, I believe, and, um, got cut and is now coaching, um, and is now picking up his coaching career and his passion. And so he is a grad assistant at Georgia State right now. So, I mean, we're both, that's the sacrifice right there, right? We're both making the sacrifices now to pursue our dreams to hopefully somehow, some way get, be together and um, both doing what we love because we are so passionate about both of our careers. Um, But yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to look post-wedding and post-marriage and never done that before. So it's another, another unique challenge and opportunity. But um, like I said, one of the reasons I love the Phillies is they're super family oriented. So Mm -hmm. I have confidence in that we're going to make it work and it's going to be great. But yeah, we're super excited about that. Well, it sounds like you have a very strong head on your shoulders, Hannah, and it's and I'm, with that, you probably chose the right partner, too, and it's really inspirational <laughs> to hear that you guys are both chasing, living, uh, yep. you know, your, your dream jobs and, and careers, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, everything will work out exactly, um, maybe not exactly the way you planned it, but it'll work out to the way that, it, that it'll make you guys happy. That's awesome. Very good advice, too, yeah. and I really really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your busy schedule here today and, and chatting with me a little bit and um, yeah, excited, absolutely. excited to get this thing edited and out to the world. And do you want to promote anything? Are you, um, you got a website or a blog or a Twitter? Or, um, feel uh-huh. free to follow me on Twitter. Um, that's my, that's where I tweet my best sports like stuff. Um, okay. My, sure. It's just my name. It's just Hannah Thurley. So you guys feel free to follow me. Really enjoyed talking to you, Hannah. And I wish you the best yeah, of luck in, in all your future endeavors. Sounds great. Thanks so much. It's fun being on your podcast. You got it. Have a great day. Take care. All right. Thanks, Nick. You too. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. If you haven't had a chance, check out the website. I encourage you to do so. That's www.worldbaseballexperience.com. Some good stuff over there. Check out the site. Pass it along to your friends and family and any other baseball enthusiasts that you come across. We appreciate your support. Of course, there's uh, Facebook, Twitter links, uh, YouTube channel, all that good stuff over there. Again, that's www.worldbaseballexperience.com. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of the day. Take care. Mm